Happy Nurses Week to all the nurses and future nurses listening. To celebrate, I'm having a 20% off sale on Study Sesh. This is my private podcast that features over 140 episodes to help you study on the go. Formats include pod quizzes, power hour deep dives, drills, and case studies. If you're tired of sitting at your desk or staring at a screen, but still want to review for nursing school, it's time to check out Study Sesh. Go to straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in that top menu bar. That's straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in the menu bar. See you there. Well, hello, hello, everyone. This is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. We're on episode 163, I had to look, and today we're talking about Ondansetron. So it's a pharmacology lesson today, everyone. Before we hop into that, I want to take a quick moment for our shout out. And this shout out goes out to Amy, who took the time to write some really thoughtful feedback about my nursing school prep course, Crucial Concepts Boot Camp. And Amy says, after reading the book, Nursing School Thrive Guide, I knew I needed the boot camp courses. The dosage calculations module helped build my confidence, and I love that I can access it again and again before my math test each quarter. Nurse Mo is involved and engaged and willing to answer questions. The Facebook group and podcast make you feel supported even when life and school collide to make things more challenging. Again, Amy, thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy your schedule is, and it means the world to me that boot camp and the book Nursing School Thrive Guide have helped you. Okay, you guys, who is ready to talk about Ondansetron? So this is a medication I give all the time. And to be honest, I learned so much about it for researching this episode that I'm I'm just so glad that I took that deep dive into it because now, I mean, of course, I understood what it was for, what the side effects are, how to administer it. But when you really understand a medication, it just makes you so much more confident. And it's just so much more interesting to understand how the things work that you're giving to your patients, right? So on Dancitron, which mostly we call Zofran by its brand name, It's a very common medication, again, and you're going to see this all the time in the clinical setting. You'll be writing about it on your care plans, and of course, it's going to be sprinkled throughout nursing school exams and maybe even on your NCLEX. So let's go through Ondansetron using the straight-A nursing drugs framework, okay? So D stands for drug class, and Ondansetron is in the therapeutic class of an anti-emetic. And its pharmacologic class is a 5-HT3 antagonist. So this is one of those medications that you're more likely to talk about and think about 
as far as its therapeutic class goes, it's an anti-emetic. You're going to be giving it to patients who are nauseous and vomiting. But understanding the pharmacologic class really helps you further understand how and why it works. So right now you might be asking, I've never heard of a 5-HT3. What is that? Because you guys, that's exactly what I said when I saw it. I had never learned Zofran or Ondansetron by its pharmacologic class. I knew it was an anti-emetic. I give it all the time to patients that are nauseous or vomiting. You know, like I said before, I know the side effects. I know how to give it. But until I really dove into this pharmacologic class, I didn't truly appreciate how or why it worked. So 5-HT3 is an abbreviation for serotonin, which can be written out by its full name if you want to get sassy as 5-hydroxytryptamine. But I know you guys don't have time for that, so you might just write it as 5-HT3 or how about just serotonin, okay? (laughs) So as a serotonin antagonist, it's a 5-HT3 antagonist, Ondansetron is going to block the serotonin receptor and thereby block the effects of serotonin. It does this in two places, on the vagal nerves in the GI tract and on chemoreceptors in the brain. And the result is that Ondansetron has powerful, powerful anti-emetic effects. Okay, so that's D, that's drug class. Anti-emetic is the therapeutic class, and the pharmacologic class is a 5-HT3 antagonist. So the first R in the drugs framework is for routes. So how can we give ondansetron? Well, it can be taken by mouth as a dissolvable tablet, as a dissolvable film, a regular tablet that you swallow, or a liquid solution. It can also be administered intramuscularly as an injection or intravenously, which is how I give it the most often, and it's probably how it's most often given in the clinical setting. The trick with the tablet is that if you're really nauseous and really throwing up a lot, you might not even be able to hold the tablet down. So the IV stuff, the IM stuff works great, but in the outpatient setting at home, Definitely taking those dissolvable tablets is probably the most common, but again, it can be a dissolvable film or a liquid that you swallow or a pill that you swallow. Okay, how about the next letter in the drugs framework, which is another R, and that is for regular dose range. So this is one of those sticking points with nursing education, right? you should kind of have an idea about what a regular dose range is for a med so that if you see a wildly abnormal dose, you question it. What is hard for students is they feel like they have to memorize all of this, right? But in reality, you always have a drug reference guide available at the hospital to look things up. But again, it is helpful to have a general idea of the regular dose range, okay? And by that, I mean knowing that a regular range for Zofran as a tablet is 4 or 8 milligrams. If you saw a dose written for 80 milligrams, you would know something is up, right? You would know that that's not right. Now, 
depending on how the Zofran is being used, what it's being used for, certain types of chemotherapy, it might be indicated that the dose is up to 24 milligrams. So it's going to have a bit of a dose range, but for the most part, you guys, when you see it given PO, okay, or um, even IV, it will most often be 4 or 8 milligrams. That's most often, okay? You could see a weight-based dose for adults at 0.15 milligrams per kilogram, And then for kids, that dose range could be like 0.1 milligram per kilogram to 0.15 milligrams per kilogram. It depends on the age of the child and what it is being used for. Again, that most common dose you'll see is 4 milligrams PO, 4 milligrams IV. That's what we give the most in the clinical setting because for the most part, you're giving it you know, because the patient's nauseous from surgery, nauseous because of an opioid. Now, if you're working on an oncology unit, I would say your doses could potentially be very different and much higher. So of course, always know why your patient is getting it. And if you ever, ever have any doubt about a dose amount, definitely pause. Take that one minute to look it up. Okay, you guys? If there is liver impairment, hepatic impairment, do be aware that ondansetron should not exceed 8 milligrams in a day, okay? So that would be definitely something that could pop up on an exam. Or if you're taking care of a patient in clinical who has liver failure and they're getting some Zofran, just being very aware that that max dose should not go over 8 milligrams per day, okay? All right, so then the next letter in the drugs framework is U, and that stands for uses. You always want to understand what the medication is used for, and even more importantly than that, why your patient is getting it. Because sometimes there are off-label uses of drugs, or drugs are used... You know, for example, antidepressants are used for chronic pain. So if you see an antidepressant on your patient's medical record, don't just assume that they're being treated for depression. They may have chronic pain. So know why your patient is getting every medication that they're getting. So for ondansetron, it is given to prevent or stop nausea and vomiting in a variety of situations. So often given before chemo and after chemo. It's often given during surgery, and then I may need to give another dose after surgery. Anesthesia causes nausea. So the anesthesiologist will sometimes give that Zofran towards the end of the case, hoping that it will last long enough as the patient emerges from emerges from anesthesia so that they're not immediately nauseous as soon as they start coming to in the recovery room. And then it's also given to prevent nausea and vomiting in hyperemesis gravidarum, which is that complication of pregnancy that involves persistent vomiting. And then oftentimes patients taking opioids will get nauseous with that, and we give Zofran to combat that. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana 
But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Okay, the next letter in the DRUGS acronym is G, and that stands for guidelines. This is where I like to put any of those special administration parameters, anything special that you need to know about a medication, maybe an important interaction that you need to avoid, or critical teaching around it. So for on Dancitron, the administration of it is pretty straightforward. It's most effective if given before the nausea-inducing event occurs, like before the chemo, before the anesthesia, etc. So IV push on Dancitron, which is how I give it most often, should be given over at least 30 seconds. You know, most of the time when you're giving an IV push med, you're not just slamming it. Most of the time, there will be an administration guideline that asks you to give it over, you know, a certain period of time. So slow IV push, etc. So giving it over at least 30 seconds, but slower is preferred. So slow IV push is a term you may hear, and that's often like two to five minutes. So I push a little pause, you know. So in the recovery room where I work right now, the patient will have IV fluids just dripping in, you know, slow gravity drip, as we call it. And when you are giving the Zofran, you're going to administer it most of the time into a little connector on that IV tubing. So as you're giving the Zofran, it's getting diluted even further by that fluid that's dripping in. So you push a little, pause and wait, assess the patient, monitor their breathing, try to, you know, distract them from their nausea, talk about your cat, I don't know. Um, Encourage them to do slow, deep breathing, things that can help with the nausea, push a little more, and then before you know it, it's been a couple of minutes, okay? So slow IV push. You want to teach the patient to notify you or if they're in an outpatient setting, call their nurse, you know, their nurse advice line or their physician if they notice involuntary movements of the limbs, the face, or the eyes, or an irregular heartbeat or if they show signs of serotonin syndrome, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. Now, those disintegrating tablets will disintegrate pretty easily when they touch anything wet. So be very aware that you're only touching them with dry hands, with dry gloves. Otherwise, it's going to start to dissolve before you give it to the patient. Make sure the patient understands not to swallow that disintegrating tablet or film, just to let it dissolve and then... Of course, they would just swallow the saliva that has that dissolved medication in it. Some Ondansentron tablets are not the dissolvable type, so make sure you know which type you are using. You wouldn't want to give the non-dissolvable to a patient, and then, you know, half an hour later, they're complaining of a horrible taste in their mouth and that pill that's been sitting under their tongue. Most are the dissolvable type, however. 
With that dissolvable tablet, don't try to push it through the blister pack. It's pretty fragile. It could just end up crushing it. So you want to peel the backing off of the blister pack and remove that dissolvable tablet. Okay, so those are some general, very simple guidelines with Ondansetron, you guys. So let's talk about the side effects, which is the final letter in the drugs acronym. So the most common side effects of Ondansetron are headache and fatigue. They can also cause constipation and diarrhea. Probably not at the same time, though. Haha. <laughs> but the most serious and life-threatening side effects are serotonin syndrome is one. And this is especially dangerous or especially likely to occur with the use of other serotonergic drugs such as SSRIs, SNRIs, MAOIs, fentanyl, lithium, tramadol, and methylene blue. A lot of times we give fentanyl and Zofran, okay? So just being aware that you want to watch for serotonin syndrome. So serotonin syndrome is a condition that occurs when there's too much serotonin in the body. So some symptoms of serotonin syndrome to watch for are things like tachycardia, hypertension, dilated pupils, acute confusion, agitation. The patient may be sweating a lot, be very rigid, have muscle rigidity, severe headache, shivering. Um, what's another one? Loss of muscle coordination, um, confusion. And then when it's really severe, that heartbeat can even become irregular. They could have dysrhythmias. They could even have seizures, a very high fever, and lose consciousness. So it's definitely something that you would want to be aware of. Mild cases, sometimes they'll just stop the offending agent, stop taking the medication that contributed, and that can be enough. But if it's really severe, the patient's going to have to be hospitalized, will probably need oxygen support, very likely some IV fluids, a muscle relaxant, very possibly. They could be getting something that is a serotonin production blocking agent. That would be a medication such as ciproheptadine. The patient may need medication to control their heart rate, keep their heart rate from being too high, keep their blood pressure from being too high. And in very severe cases, the patient may need mechanical ventilation. Some other side effects include Torsades de Ponce, I guess that goes beyond side effect. This is a serious life-threatening complication, you guys. So Torsade de Ponce is a very dangerous arrhythmia. It's a polymorphic ventricular tachycardia. So as you learn more about EKGs, that will make perfect sense. Just know that Torsades de Ponce can deteriorate into V-fib arrest. And so when the patient has torsades, we typically treat that by giving IV magnesium if we're following ACLS protocols. So medications that prolong the QT interval will put the patient at risk for going into torsades. So just be aware of that. If you're giving this medication, giving on Dancitron, and the patient's QT interval is already on the longish side, I would definitely maybe consider 
double checking with the MD about that. I would definitely want to make sure the patient is on continuous cardiac monitoring as well. Stevens-Johnson syndrome is another serious life-threatening complication that can occur and toxic epidermal necrolysis, which you may see abbreviated as TENS, T-E-N-S. But for the most part, you guys are going to see maybe a little headache and maybe a little fatigue with giving on Dancitron. So that is your quick overview of this really interesting and very commonly used medication. So if you haven't heard me talking about it all the time, my boot camp is on sale right now. Crucial Concepts Boot Camp is on sale through August 15th with promo code FUTURE nurse. That gets you 20% off. It gets you a free electrolytes study guide. That is awesome, by the way. It gets you a free two-week trial of Beyond Boot Camp, which is my program that takes you through actual disease conditions, whereas Crucial Concepts Boot Camp is more foundation concepts to get that core knowledge, lay that framework for really successful nursing school experience. So that is on sale again from now through August 15th, 2021. Use promo code FUTUREnurse. I will link to it in the episode notes. And you can always shoot me an email at hello at straightanursingstudent.com if you want to learn more about that. And right now, you guys, I'm going live every day talking about mindset shifts for nursing school. I'm calling it the Nursing School Mindset Edit. So if you want to get in on that action and get email reminders about what I'm talking about and when, then I will include the link to that sign-up form as well. I will be going live on my YouTube channel, and on my Facebook page and in my Facebook group. So a few different places where you can catch me talking about your nursing school mindset edit. It's super exciting. All these topics are things that students ask all the time, and I'm just so excited to bring that to you. So check that out as well, and I will see you back here next week where I share with you my best tips for feeling confident in clinical. So I'll see you back here next week. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night.